people of Earth, we have come to upgrade your cosmic consciousness. DNA activation ready in 3, 2, 1. Hi, welcome to Q&A on Breakthrough Leadership. I'm Lou Quinto. And I'm Craig Anderson. Craig, it's time for another episode from the mailbag. Excellent. <laughs> so our, our our first episode apparently solicited more responses and more emails. So Excellent. let's go ahead and, and uh, let, let's uh, answer some of these uh, emails that we've got some from some folks. The first one comes from Beth in Toms River, New Jersey. Ooh, a Jersey person, just like me. Do we have um, to ask her what exit? I've no, lived into not. New Jersey. I just thought that was the joke. Yeah, no, no, no. It is a joke, but not everybody lives off of the turnpike, even <laughs> though it does go up the middle of the state. <laughs> there you go. So, in fact, I had never heard that. When I went out to Purdue as a, you know, away from home for the very first time, people immediately went, oh, you're from New Jersey. What exit? And I was like, what exit? Never heard of it before. So I guess people in New Jersey were immune to hearing that stuff. So you have to leave the state to hear about it. But anyway, let's get on with Beth from Tom's River, New Jersey. She says, hi, guys. I've been listening to your podcast for several months. And I noticed that Craig purposely uses the word intentional in almost every episode. Craig, is there a backstory to your continued use of the word? In fact, she probably should have written he intentionally uses the word. Yes, you use the word intentional. Well, Beth, one, it really irritates Lou. So that's the special bonus for using intentional a lot. And I do try and work it into every episode. But the other reason that it is in the episode is every year I pick a word for the year. So my word for 2020, which could have been a lot of things if we'd have known what was going to happen in 2020, uh, was intention and intentional to to do things intentionally for the outcomes that I was trying to get to. So intention was my word for the year. I do not yet, as of the time we're recording this, have my word for the year for 2021. So if anybody would like to drop into the comments suggestions on a word for 2021, I would be happy to consider all the suggestions that we could get. Yes, and as a reminder, we are a family-oriented podcast, so make sure the word can be used in prime time. Despite lose New Jersey roots, it is a family podcast. So, all right, next question, Patrick from Boston, Massachusetts. Massachusetts, Craig and Lou, I really enjoy your podcast. They are all brief and to the point. Perfect for my attention span. It's budget season, and I'm in that position again of justifying an expense versus the return on investment with my boss. She just looks at the expense. Is there an easy way I can get her to consider the ROI and not just the immediate outlay? Lou, what do you think Patrick ought to try? Wow, that, that, that is a tough one because so many people in business are just oriented to the quarterly numbers. And so really changing that habit of just looking at the expense and not looking at the ROI, ROI becomes very difficult. And as you know, 
uh, Craig, in, in the training business, it's very difficult to make an expense in training and then to go ahead and verify it as this is our return on investment. And right. so it becomes very difficult in lots of different areas, but it actually becomes just a change in mindset that, you know, through, I guess, one-on-one -on -one conversations, Patrick, I believe that you need to have with her to start talking about, okay, let's look at if we spend this much money, what our ROI would be so that instead of just focusing on the quarterly budget numbers that come out and seeing the expense side of it, that there is, okay, let's look three quarters of the way down, or let's look at the end of the year and see what we've been able to get from that investment. It is very, very difficult though, as you, Patrick, as someone who's trying to look at getting an expense approved, I would recommend that you do your homework to truly verify what the potential ROI would be, and then also provide a minimum and a maximum ROI so that they know that there's not one specific number that the ROI is going to be, but it can fall within a range. And if you can document that by spending X percent, you'll be able to get 20 or 25% more in a return on investment, it's going to help you to become a better person when it comes to trying to justify what that return on investment would be. No, what do you think, Craig? No, that's a great point. I think for training and for coaching, it's, it's hard to always get senior execs to maybe think through what that return on that investment is going to be. But we're really in a time now where we're looking at investments, not just from a hard dollar return, but investments in our employees. And right. what does that do for things like retention? What does that do for things like the ability to promote internally and, you know, save the cost of searches, save the cost of turnover. So I would be thoughtful about how you're thinking, you know, what things you might include. Don't just say, well, it's going to give us this much more in sales. What other aspects of the business are going to benefit from this investment that you're making in coaching or training that's going to make your company stronger overall? Right. And, and, you know, in that area of return on investment, you've got to look at things as convenience to the customer, uh, to improving efficiencies within processes, in increasing productivity. If you're able to take, for instance, increasing productivity, Patrick, what you'll find is that you can take a person's average hourly salary. And if you could prove that that investment will save X amount of time for X number of employees, you can then take the number of employees and multiply it times that hourly uh, salary that you've projected to be able to help determine those particular things. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Good. Well, thank you, Patrick. Next one, Tamika from Portland, Oregon. Craig and Lou, we're in the planning stages for 2021. And I've heard Craig mention a one-page business plan several times. It's piqued my interest. Can you explain the concept more? Keep up the good work. All right. That's mostly for me, I think. Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. Like, yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. So Tamika, thanks for the question. <laughs> thanks for the question, Tamika. It's the one page business plan is really a concept. First, we start with just this idea that business plans, sometimes these are these overwrought, over intense exercises that take months to write. They turn into 150 page documents that get tossed up on the wall at the end of the year and nobody ever looks at again. So the idea when we created or when the one page plan was created was to really focus in on what are the things that are effectively driving our business. And the short version is we start out identifying the vision, what it is we're trying to build over the next three to five years, the mission, why are we, 
what does the business do? What, what problem are we solving for the business? Then we drive into, instead of that three to five year view, we come back to one year and say, what are the key objectives that are measurable that we need to meet this year? Because we're keeping this on one page, we want about five to seven objectives, no more than nine, because we're trying to stay high level and focused on the things that matter. We drive down to strategies or the how of the business. Who are our customers? What are, who are our ideal customers? How are we going to serve them? How are we going to hire? How are we going to deliver? Key strategies on how we're going to grow the business. And then the last piece, and again, five to seven of those. The last piece is the action plans that result. You say, all right, if we want to hit this objective, if we want to execute this strategy, what projects do we need to complete to be able to do those things and those become the projects and the building blocks and the priorities the major business building projects we have for the course of the year and we work that so it's all on one page and then we have a scorecard tied to each that measures our progress throughout the course of the year and keeps us focused it's very keeping it down to one page keeps it very focused it's almost like the twitter of business plans gets you just to the key points of what you're trying to do and it also gives you the adaptability because you can see quickly where the pieces are going to need to move when you run into a year like 2020 where things change quickly so that's the short version i talk about it a lot over in my community which you can get to at clearpathcoaches.com community and you can join our community. We, we talk about it all the time. You learn a lot more. So thanks for the question. Great question. Yeah. So it, it, yeah. And, and what I like about that, Craig, and, and you mentioned it, and I was thinking about it at the same time is that it is truly uh, adapted to what we are currently, you know, used to, which mm -hmm. is it's the Twitter or the tweet of business plans, because so many people are used to those big, big business plans that they teach you how to write in college. And then when you get into business and you create one, you're proud of it for a couple of days. And then all of a sudden you're answering emails and making phone calls and putting out fires. And it tends to slide off to the side mm -hmm. of the desk and up on a bookshelf where the one page business plan, and you know, it's not just theory, it's practical application. You can right. laminate it and put it in your cube and it's there for you to see all the time so good absolutely absolutely all right thanks again tamika the last question we have from the viewer mailbag i love that we have a viewer mailbag Luke. <laughs> and it's uh kudos on the podcast i share them regularly and we would always encourage you to like and share and subscribe to the podcast uh during the was, COVID was era that a subtle advertisement not as subtle as the one for my community that i did just a minute ago uh <laughs> during this COVID era i find myself having to make decisions faster than normal is there a shortcut I can use to make decisions faster and still ensure I'm making good decisions from Blake in Montreal, Canada? Blake, let me just say this, that there is a force of nature when it comes to decision making, that the more time you spend on the decision, the more accurate it will be. The less amount of time you spend on the decision, the less accurate it will be. There is no way to be able to break that ratio between how much time you spend and how much how accurate your decision is. But your decision is a good one because in this COVID era, we definitely we have to be more agile. We have to make decisions quicker. And so what I always recommend is continue to use some sort of decision-making process. That will speed up your decision-making in a heartbeat. Because right now, if you're not using a process and you're just, I have a decision I need to make and you start gathering data and you start looking at alternatives, you end up drowning in a sea of data and information that is time-consuming. And so what I always tell people is that when you use a process,
process. Initially, it may seem mentally to you that you are taking longer to make that decision, but in actuality, you will find, just as with anything, after we do it over a period of time, it becomes habit for us, and we begin doing it quicker and quicker and quicker. A process will help you to make quicker decisions because it will help you to focus only on that information that is truly vital to you making that decision. And when I say that information that is truly vital is that when you go into a decision-making process, and I've been teaching critical thinking skills for 35 years, I always tell people the first step is not to look at your alternatives if you can what you need to do is you need to develop your list of criteria, and that is based upon the decision you need to make, you need to identify what criteria am I going to use regardless of the alternative. I'm going to compare all of my alternatives using the same criteria. And once you create that list of criteria, Blake, what ends up happening is you create that shopping list of what data and information do you need to collect and focus on. So immediately it gets you to avoid all information which may not be relevant to your decision-making that you're making at the current time. The other thing that I tell people is that when it comes to your criteria, there are two types of criteria that you need to think about. The first piece of criteria is what we call eliminating criteria. And that eliminating criteria does just that. It eliminates alternatives because if your alternatives do not have every single piece of eliminating criteria that you indicate you need. These are deal breakers. If you don't have it or the alternative doesn't have it, you can't consider it. And all of a sudden you will find that some of your alternatives will go to the wayside because they don't have things that you say they must have. That's what an eliminating criterion is. It's something that you must have when you're making this decision. And then the rest of the criteria is what we call your job judgmental criteria. And that's the criteria you're going to use to compare your alternatives to each other to make your final decision. So focus on develop your criteria first before you start identifying your alternatives when possible. And then second, divide your criteria up into two types. What are my eliminating criteria and what are my judgmental criteria? And just look at your eliminating criteria first and look at each of your alternatives. And if each, if there's one alternative that does not meet every single, what we call judgment or eliminating criteria, then you don't need to consider it any further. That's how you can make quicker decisions. And Blake, we did an entire episode on this, if I'm not mistaken, Lou, yeah. and why don't, we'll just drop the link right here and you can check it out and we go into a lot more detail on how to go through that process. Uh, we even have, I think, a spirited debate around the difference of all that data and criteria and going with your gut when everything gets tough. So have, have a look at that episode. It's a good episode. So okay. great explanation, good. Lou. Absolutely. Great. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like. And if you have a friend or colleague who would benefit from some of the information we shared today, please share it with them and subscribe so you can catch all our new episodes when we drop them at 9.30 a.m. Eastern every Thursday. You can find Q&A on Breakthrough Leadership on all your favorite podcasting platforms, qaleadership.com, as well as YouTube, Facebook, and LinkedIn on our channels there. So until next time, I'm Craig Anderson. And keep your hands washed. Keep your distance. I'm Lou Quinto.